0: These must be the colors of returning And this must be the way the darkness tastes
1: Welcome to Tell You What, the podcast, where we talk with songwriters and musicians about the craft of songwriting, music making, all the good stuff. My name is Mike, and our guests on this episode are the members of the Ballroom Thieves, Callie Peters, Martin Early, and Devin Mauck. This is the first time I have interviewed three people at once, but they made it easy on me, talking one at a time in an orderly and civilized manner. Ballroom Thieves have a great new record out, on Lovely. This is a collection of songs that are reflections on, maybe more accurate to say, reactions to the state of the world, and more particularly the United States over the past few years. There is some anger here, but also hope, and some really good tunes. Callie, Martin, and Devon were thoughtful and honest in our discussion. We covered a lot of ground, including how their lives as a band and as individuals within the band have changed over the years. I really enjoyed the conversation. So we talked a lot about their lives as a band on the road and how that influenced their music. In particular, a couple-year period in which they had no permanent homes to speak of, they decided to live as vagabonds as they toured endlessly. And we recorded this conversation a few weeks ago, and here's what has happened since then. First, the band was traveling in their van on I-80 in Wyoming, and they were involved in a snow- and ice-induced pileup involving dozens of tractor trailers and cars. They were unhurt, as was their van. They ended up on the snowy median with an 18-wheeler jackknifed around them. I-80 was then completely closed for almost two days to clear it up, and the band holed up nearby waiting, missing a couple of gigs. Then, more recently, the band, along with pretty much every other touring musical act, has canceled or postponed all their live shows for the time being due to the COVID-19. These events highlight the difficulties and the fragility of the business model, most touring bands face today. They make their money by doing their shows on the road across the country and many things can go wrong in their tight budgets as they try to do so. So let's maybe keep these artists in mind along with all the others in our communities who are facing uncertainties and tough times right now and maybe find some ways to help. If you're planning on going to shows that have now been canceled maybe buy some vinyls or cds online or in a record store for that matter or buy some merch. Maybe take some newfound free time and share your favorite music with friends. Get these artists some new fans. And let's not forget about the power of music. As we hunker down and spend less time interacting with others, we need to remember we are all still connected. Good music reminds us of these connections. It lets us participate in the collective unconscious and celebrate it, even when we are not physically together. I am very grateful for the work and sacrifice these young musicians put in over their careers to bring their art into the world. I'd like to sincerely thank Eric Jones for helping to make this conversation happen. He made what could have been a complicated situation work very smoothly, so thanks. So let's get to it. Here's our tell-you-what discussion with the ballroom thieves.
0: How can we wait without question When all of the world is burning And suddenly all on our way at once so far. away like the morning might take us where can fly out
1: okay martin callie and devon ballroom thieves thank you for taking the time to meet with us today of course thanks for having us tell you what the podcast um i am in tell you what headquarters in the epiplex in evanston illinois i you just told me that you were in new york new york city right now yep
2: we are posted up on the lower east side uh for a couple days right now ahead of our record release on friday just doing some press things and uh yeah here to talk to you and take in uh, all the splendors that is new york city on a gray rainy spring day
1: well we we do have one constraint as you told me your, your your meter is going to run out so we'll try and have a nice chat and get you out in time to 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 feed the meter properly but when this episode is aired which will be in the future for us your new record Unlovely, will be out in the world but as we're talking now as you just mentioned which is in the past actually Tomorrow is the day the record will be released, right? That's
2: right. Yeah, uh, February 14th.
1: Yeah, pretty exciting and busy time for you all, I'm sure. Um, I've had a chance to listen to the record. I think it's great. I think it's adventurous and compelling all at the same time. You all must be pretty pretty happy with it, pretty proud of what you've done.
2: Yeah, we're we're proud and just really excited to get the work out there uh, as we, we completed the record about a year ago. Um, so we've just been preparing for this moment for a long time. And, uh, I think it's a little
1: surreal that it's actually here. So (laughs) these things seem to take longer than they used to getting a record out into the world.
2: Yeah. It's, um, it, it truly takes, you know, a, a team of folks to do it, to do it right. And that was really important to us to, uh, yeah, just, you know, dot all our I's, cross all our T's. And luckily we have a really wonderful team around us that helped us prep for the moment, but yeah, it takes a long time.
1: Okay. So let's go back in time. Since we have all three of you here, let's touch briefly on each of your backgrounds if we can, your early years, how you came to music. Martin, I understand your father was a musician, folk musician. I, I assume that's how you got involved.
0: Uh more or less, yeah. And he still is a a musician. He okay. he uh he just doesn't do that as his uh primary career. He would if he if he could, I think. Uh he he grew up in a household where being a musician was not considered a a reasonable way to make a living um and so you know he kind of always kept that as a hobby um which is which is you know sad but now he gets to live vicariously through us and he's incredibly supportive as a result so that's that's kind of the silver lining there i guess
1: so you picked up the guitar then at an early age
0: I started out playing drums when I was okay. in elementary school, and uh, and then started playing guitar when I was in high school. Um, and, you know, my dad kind of taught me a couple chords, and then I, I did the rest from there.
1: And when did you first start writing your own music?
0: Uh, in high school as well. Probably, you know, soon after uh, starting to play guitar, I started writing terrible, terrible songs, <laughs> uh, and singing very, very terribly as well, and so much so that my... My high school girlfriend's younger sister once told me that uh, that I that I would never ever be a singer because I'm just not a good singer. Uh, <laughs> that was after we we had broken up. Uh, so
1: well, maybe maybe she's listening.
0: Yeah, I hope so. You know, <laughs> I, I really hope so.
1: All right, Devin, what was your first experiences with uh, picking up an instrument? Uh,
2: my mom started my brother and I and herself, on guitar lessons when I was about, I think, maybe seven, seven or eight, and my brother was five, Um, and the three of us took guitar lessons together, and...
1: Wait, your mother and and the two of you did? Yep,
2: yeah, yeah. That's great. My parents are both, they're both uh, musically inclined, but really hadn't ever stuck with an instrument or anything, they're more into theater and singing, uh, but she wanted to try the guitar and brought her sons along on that journey. And it definitely inspired, um, you know, music to become a pretty constant part of both of our lives from there on out. Uh, so I did guitar for a little while. I've kind of jumped around um, trying out different instruments my my whole life. And, and really drums was the, f- the first time I really did a, a kind of deeper dive with drums and percussion was... Was with this band, so interesting. Yeah, started young and just kept trying different things, and was always sort of inspired to, yeah, explore different instruments and take lessons. And
1: yeah. so you and Martin kind of traded places. He started on the drums. <laughs> you started on the guitar.
2: Yeah, yeah, I guess so. A, a little bit. Uh, he's he's still a pretty great uh, drummer. Uh, yeah. I am no longer. I would not call myself uh, even a good guitarist. I, I'll play by myself. Uh, Only if I know there's absolutely no one around listening, pretty much. But (laughs) it's still fun to pick it up and hack away.
1: Right. How about you, Callie? How did you get started with music?
3: Uh, I started playing cello when I was 10. Okay. Um, There was a demonstration at school. We could start a string instrument when we were in third or fourth grade. And uh, I just fell in love with the cello. I had to have one.
1: Why do you think that was?
3: I don't know. It called to me. Hmm. It's so beautiful. And it was the lowest, biggest instrument displayed, uh, demonstrated. I just, I really loved it. It looked like a challenge to carry around. (laughs) It seemed like a good instrument to play if you wanted to be um, made fun of on the bus. And uh, apparently I wanted that.
1: Several positive endorsements there. Very positive. Did I read that you, um, when the band, when you first came into the band, you were not writing music for the band at first and that changed? That's right. So what do you think, yeah, what what do you think, what do you think changed that brought you to, to writing music?
3: Um, I was always composing. I was just not writing lyrics. I just, I just didn't have much of an interest and I, I didn't think I would be very good at it, um, but I never really tried. And I wanted to, I wanted to sing more and uh, the best way to sing, I think, is to write words for yourself. I think you can really, you can really uh, learn how your voice works with your own, with your own lyrics behind it. So I I wanted to try that out.
1: So had you not been a writer, you weren't writing poetry or journaling or anything before this?
3: No, I mean, I would, I would journal a bit. I would frantically write down events or dreams or, or theories. I always have a lot of theories going. I just <laughs> never, never put them together in any sort of artful way okay. until I tried writing songs.
1: And how do you think that your writing has changed even in this brief period since you started? Have you noticed a, a steep learning curve or some kind of steep change in, in, in how you go about it?
3: Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I'm still finding out just how I write. Um, I, I think I've had the greatest teacher around. I've, mm-hmm. I've looked to Martin's writing to help my own. And I, I feel so lucky that such an amazing writer is, is right next to me in life. And I get to learn sort of my voice through, through how he chooses to write. So I, and I think I'm still learning.
1: That's great. He's okay. looking
3: at me with dead eyes from that compliment. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: I'll leave that there. Uh, so earlier in your band life, there was a time, as I understand it, when the three of you were basically vagabonds, right? You, you, you lived out of your vehicles on the road. Do I have that right? That's exactly right. What was that like? How did that happen?
3: Um, well, we, we just kept saying yes to every single show and every single tour that came along and it became ridiculous to send our rent money home. So we put all our things in our parents' basements and storage units and started just living out of our van for the many days on tour. We had, I think there was one year where we were off the road for 13 days total, nine, 13, wow. I don't know. We lost our final count. That was a couple of years ago. That was um, That was truly a bad time.
1: Okay, so now you all live in Maine, right? Yep. Any, any of you can answer this if you have a take on it. How do you think either or both of these experiences has shaped your music? We talk about the sense of place in, in music and in creativity. So you've had a period of time of having no home, right? And now as a band, and now you have live in a very particular and unique part of the country as your home. So how do you think... Mm-hmm. Either one of those time periods has influenced who you are as a band creatively.
0: I think that's a great question. This is Martin, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting when you when you start out becoming a musician because usually your first record or your first couple records are, are, are really well, you know, kind of planned out. You've spent years working on these songs, and finally you get to record them and release them, and and then if it works decently well then the next two years you're on the road as much as you can be on the road, and you don't really have the same uh, time and the same uh, atmosphere to, to get creative from a writing perspective. So the road often can be a pretty sterile place when it comes to songwriting, uh, or at least it was for me um, Right after we started. And so it's kind of weird because you you spend all this time and money and energy putting out music, and then all of a sudden, uh, then it's like, okay, now do that same thing again, but in half the time, while you're traveling around the country, and it's just not really, it's not the same, so you have to adapt if you want to continue to be productive, I think, and so we started figuring out how to write while on the road, and, you know, part of being a vagabond and being, you know, homeless, for lack of a better word, is that there's a lot of a lot of pressure, and there's a lot of sadness, and there's a lot of uh, emotion that comes with that, and so that is generally a pretty good catalyst for for songwriting. So that's why our second album, Dead Eye, is pretty sad. You know, um, it deals with a lot of those issues of being on the road and not having a home and being away from from your family and loved ones, and and you know, kind of leaving your your established or what you thought was your established life behind and just completely uprooting everything you know. So yeah, now that we're back in in a place where we we all have steady home lives and we all have a place where we can lay our heads, now things are looking up again a little bit and it's it's more possible to write about other things, other than being depressed all the time. So, um, so now, you know, now we turn our attention to the things that are important in our lives now. So that's why some of these songs deal with politics or deal with, you know, general goings on in in the country around us and and less about how depressed we are on the road. There's still there's still some of that, you know. There's still some songs about sleeplessness and 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 touring and and the toll that it takes, but but, yeah, it's it's definitely a, an up-and-down kind of um, graph, I guess, if you will. Right.
1: This is a, this is something I hear from a lot of musicians these days, that the, the business model as it exists now for, for bands, particularly younger bands, is to be on the road, and that's how they make their money. And that they run into this, this issue of, now I have to create while I'm living this life on the road, and I, I think a lot of bands weren't ready for that. So they all have to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah, I, I agree with that because,
0: you know, that's... That's not how you get started. No one gets started by touring and then writing. So it's kind of strange that you have to do one thing and then completely adapt if you want to continue to be successful.
1: Okay, let's talk about uh, collaboration in both the song writing and the song creating recording process for you all. I'm guessing there's not one formulaic way the songs tend to come together, but how generally would you describe the collaborative process between you now? Um, and how has that maybe changed over time? Generally, we, uh, Callie and I, write the songs, and so we
0: live together. We're we're engaged. We uh, are rarely not in the same room. So, um, okay. So we write together, and that's generally how the songs get uh, get made. So, literally from the beginning, the the writing is together. In 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 this uh, for this album. Mostly, yeah. So, th- so this album kind of marks a change because uh, previously we would write separately. So, I would write write a bunch of songs and then I would work with Callie to kind of shape them, and Callie would write a bunch of songs and then work with me to shape them, and we'd kind of help each other out in that way. And now, since we live together and since you know we've kind of combined our lives, it- it's becoming easier for us to. To work on things as a as a writing team right from the get go, uh, which mm-hmm. has been a really fun experiment so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a certain amount of trust involved in a writing collaboration, right? So, as your personal relationship has changed, you've seen that level maybe of trust changed as well. Yeah, totally.
0: And and I think you know part of the thing that makes us a, a compatible writing team is that we have different strengths and. Mm-hmm. Uh, different weaknesses so you know I I tend to focus on writing lyrics and Callie's really good at coming up with melodies and you know putting putting those lyrics into the song and fitting them in in the right way and coming up with creative ways of of making that kind of thing happen so she's kind of the she's kind of the Elton John and I'm kind of the Bernie Toppin (laughs) but she's much more attractive than Elton so (laughs) nothing against Elton he's an attractive man but
1: he is an attractive man. Yeah. Well, it seems to be working out pretty well. Let's talk about the, in the arranging and recording process in terms of collaboration. A lot of your songs have unique, very creative arrangements. How do those generally come together? Are you coming to the studio with ideas in that regard, or are those kind of happening when the three of you are together actually in the recording studio?
0: We, most of the time, we come to the studio with ideas, and, and those ideas are in varied uh, stages of being fleshed out, you know? So sometimes they, we have demos where we've already kind of planned everything out and everything is, is on tape somewhere, uh, and other times it's just an idea in someone's head, and then we try to make that happen in the studio. And our producer, uh, Jerry Streeter, he has played a big role in that as well because, you know, he he looks at the songs from a different perspective and then tends to come up with, with ideas on the fly uh, about, you know, what what kind of guitar sound we need here or what kind of cello thing should go in this section or, you know, we need some sort of string part here or something like that. So um, once we get into the studio, it is, it is a little more collaborative and, and free creatively than it is during the actual writing process just because when we're just writing it's it's usually just Callie and me so um, right. there's not a lot of other input uh in in that initial
1: phase okay let's talk about the album unlovely um it's pretty clear this is a collection of songs that are a response to what you see happening in the world um now over the last few years let's say this may seem like a dumb question uh let me see if i can frame it properly do you see yourselves as artists who would generally be writing about social issues, right? Or is this recent work more a product of these times? So I guess what I'm asking is, if someone else were president, do you think your songs would still be mostly reflections or reactions to social and political issues? I think that answer
0: might be different for for the three of us. So okay, um, I, if I were to answer for myself, I think... I don't think I would be writing as much about political issues if it, if someone else were president, depending on how good or bad that person uh, is, I guess. But uh, in an ideal world, we would never have to write about anything political, because in an ideal world, I think politics should just be kind of boring. And, you know, it's kind of a machine that does the work for you as the, as the citizen um, without... Without you having to worry too much, but that's obviously not the reality that we live in. So here we are. Yep. Um, but I think, but I think Callie might have a different answer to that. So I'm going to pass the mic to her.
3: I think. I think if uh, if we had a different president, uh, that would be really nice. And uh, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> first of all, but I think I I would still I would still be writing um, about how this this world is is not set up for people like me. Yeah, I think I, I would still be talking about social issues. I mm-hmm. I can't seem to. I'm kind of embarrassed about this, but I have yet to write a love song to Martin or anyone. I just I can't seem to do it. Right. <laughs> All my songs end up being about how the world affects people uh, that don't belong in it, or or the world we've made. How how people don't don't quite belong in that world. So I mm-hmm. I think I will always write about that. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, let's talk about the song "Unlovely." The the title track. It features vocals from Darling Side, who are awesome, by the way. We are big fans of Darling Side here. Yes, we love um, them. Their vocals on this song kind of provide maybe a happy sounding, ironic counterpart to the anger in the lyrics. Is that was that the intention there? That's exactly
3: that was exactly exactly the intention. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you seem like you're addressing a very specific you in these lyrics, reading your mean eyes through a million little screens. Now we're living in the house you built. Can you talk about this this song a little bit?
3: Yeah, um, it's definitely an angry protest song. It's kind of a throw your hands up in the air. I can't believe this is happening sort of bunch of lyrics. Um, mm-hmm. It's definitely supposed to be kind of ironic sounding, very, very lush and happy, but very dark and scary.
1: Well, I think it works very well.
3: Thanks. Standing in line for the rocks
1: You all released a great series of cover songs a little while back. Um, I'm a particular fan of the of the Joe Pug Hymn 101 version that you did. I think it's great. And recently, in the, the run-up to this album, you also released a couple of alternate versions of some of these new songs, an acoustic version of one, right, and an instrumental version. This might seem like a weird question. You can answer it any way you like. But is there, when you think about a song that you're creating, is there one version, like a true version of a song in your head, and there are then different takes on that, or is the song something more elusive that expresses itself in different ways?
3: I think it's the, I think it's the more elusive one. Um, mm-hmm. I've noticed lately when when we uh, it's kind of it's kind of cool and it's it's a little sad too when we record a song, and then we put that song out into the world. That's the version that everybody knows, and that right. that version becomes the song, even though the song existed without its recorded self so it's a little it's not very freeing uh and we have to we have to remain in control of of the words and the melody and we have to realize that we can remake it and change it and that one version does not equal the song um yeah it's it's more more elusive than that for sure
1: so maybe when you are going out to perform the songs live you might purposely do different versions of a song definitely
0: yeah I also think uh, to just to add to that I I particularly enjoy after we've written a song and we've recorded it and we've played it a certain way for a long time then changing things up and reimagining the song is there's something really special about that and that can go any you know any direction in terms of what you do with it but in in our situation sometimes that means you know, an acoustic song turns into an electric song, or an, or vice versa, or we slow a song down, or a song that I generally sing gets sung by Callie, or or vice versa, mm. or and those those things I think kind of reinvigorate a song that maybe has lost some of its luster, at least in our eyes, because we just play it the same way night in and night out. So sometimes that's a really fun way to to give a song kind of a second wind.
1: Right. Let's talk about the song, Tenebrist. I will admit, I looked this word up. Me too. (laughs) Here's a definition that I found. A style of art where there are violent contrasts of light and dark and where darkness becomes a dominating feature of the image. Um, To quote a lyric from the song, we all muddy the water to make it seem less shallow. Uh, There's definitely been a lot of water muddying going on lately, Um, but maybe I sent some hope in this song. Yeah, a little bit. Um
0: I think the song definitely touches on some some uh parts of being an artist and parts of being a a voter in, in our current country, um, that are that are less positive, but there is always that silver lining and there's always that next morning, you know, that kind of feeling of things can things can still get better. We're not in we're not in a place where we're completely hopeless and completely lost even though Sometimes it feels that way.
1: Right.
0: I am your charlotte
1: music that i think sets it apart from a lot of other bands in let's call it the broad folk influence world uh, i think comes from the percussion Uh, not just the sound of the drums but i i hear like a percussive influence kind of underlying a lot of the songs that gives them their character devin maybe you can talk about the creative influence of percussion and beats in in terms of the process of putting these songs together
2: yeah i think that is also, uh, like so many things with our band, something that has evolved over time uh, in how the process is kind of a- approached. Because, um, you know, speaking about Unlovely at least as a record, we were workshopping those songs as the three of us and with our new fourth band member and with our producer for for weeks and months before we went to the studio. and. Being able to have that level of sort of um, preparation, it, it really becomes a melting pot of creativity for something like the percussion parts, and we mm-hmm. tend to do put so many layers of um, different percussive elements into our songs. We it's really kind of a group effort at this point. Um, one of the things that is interesting, I hope, in our band is just like I am playing a bit of an unorthodox. Uh, drum kit setup um and so it's not yeah it's 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 not your traditional drum kit i'm not playing a kick drum with my with my foot and then have two free hands i'm beating away on the bass drum with just my right hand and i'm wearing bells and just have a whole bunch of sort of percussive accoutrements around martin has a tambourine and a, a trigger at his feet for more percussive options and then we have a fourth band member uh, that maybe we'll talk about at some point but he is also adding different elements. So the way that we've approached building up the the drum tracks and the percussion side of things has has continued to evolve over time and it's really quite the group effort at this point.
1: Okay, you've bringing a fourth person into the band. Let's talk about that.
2: Uh, yeah, his name is Ariel Bernstein. He he's been In in Thieves Camp for pretty much from the beginning almost, ever since we did Wolf in the Doorway, our first full-length record, he was uh, like an assistant engineer essentially in the studio, and and he is a really incredible um, percussionist and keyboard player, like... He can kinda of do it all he's a jack of all trades um so he's always participated behind the scenes with us and been part of the recording process and uh when we went to make this record, I think we were all ready to kind of make a a jump sonically and just you know really make a bit more noise have more options and he was just an easy an easy option to 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 go with because he's so He's so talented, multi-talented, and uh, can just kind of do anything we throw at him. And he's a really good person, a nice person, which is the most important thing for for us. Uh, But uh, yeah, we've been playing with him now since about September on stage as the four of us. And he's jumping around between keys and guitar and tambourine, shakers, some vocals here and there. Um, And it's just really exciting for us to be able to play with this new this new, uh, element that, uh, doesn't restrict us as much, uh, as maybe we, we were restricted as a trio. So.
1: Right. And getting back to what uh, what we were talking about earlier, being able to do maybe different versions of some of your older songs too on the road. Yeah, totally. That's a,
2: that's yeah. a great point. Um, you know, turning something that used to be a guitar part into a piano part or just, yeah, it's, it's really fun to kind of, get creative with how we can utilize his talents um, to build on old stuff, but also looking to the future and and getting creative with with the new songs.
1: That's great. Okay, let's lighten it up a little bit for for a minute. Let's talk about the song Love is Easy. This is a beautiful sounding love song. I really like this one. But lyrically, aside from obviously the great sentiment in the chorus, it goes back to maybe what we were talking about earlier about the vagabond road life.
0: Yeah, totally. It it kind of deals with the idea that the touring lifestyle is pretty difficult and maybe isn't isn't as much what I thought it would be for me, you know? I thought I would be incredibly at home on the road and would never need to, you know, stop and and have a home and settle down and but now that I'm getting into my wise old age, I uh <laughs> I'm kind of you know it's not that I it's not that I actively dislike touring but it is really difficult and and so this song while obviously being a love song it also deals with things like how do we how do we keep this moving forward as a career and you know what if there's writer's block at some point and what if the songs don't come anymore and then there's no there's no engine behind it all you know and so those are those are some of the more sinister, I guess, sides of, of that song, even though it is a pretty sweet love song. Bide my time, writing rhymes and wrongs What if the right rhymes don't come by anymore And flooding come the years With all the youth of and tears And still your doubt That noisy engine labors on and on and on Darling, loving you is such an easy thing to do, it's such an easy thing to do, so let me do it. Darling, loving you is such an easy thing to do, it's such an easy thing to do,
1: so let me do it. I'm going to take this as a cautionary tale because my wife and I, mostly me, kind of sometimes fantasize about leading a vagabond life and just moving from place to place and she tries to tell me that I would not like it being ruthless, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to take what you're saying to heart and uh, <laughs> maybe change my plans. I would, you know, give it a shot, but <laughs> I have a backup plan. <laughs> I, won't, I won't give up the apartment. So I don't intend to dig too much into your personal lives here, but I, I do sometimes talk about the position of the writer and the artist as they write about the people in their lives and how they try and navigate that. With those people, in your case, the people in your lives that you are sometimes writing about are right there, working on the song or in the band with you. Um, is that something you think about as you write a song like this? Definitely,
0: yeah. Um, I mean, it's in one way it's really fun to write a love song for my partner who is on stage with me, and you know I get to sing it not just to a crowd of people but to her every night, and that's something special. You know, not a lot of people get to do that really. Um but then also you know, it gets weird every now and then because if I write a song about a an ex girlfriend and how, you know, a relationship used to go or something, then there might be some personal issues there in terms of oh, why are you still writing about this person? Right. And, you know, that kind of thing. So I think it all comes down to trust and 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 just kind of having a having a good base for your relationship first and then Really, after that, everything is is manageable. Right. But I mean, you know, we we're a pretty good good team, and uh, yeah, usually there's not really a a topic when it comes to songwriting that either one of us would feel is totally off limits. You know. Right.
3: I enjoy that my response to these could could be like, "Why are you still writing about her instead of why are you texting her?" So that's just it's just <laughs> a, like a slight alteration. You know. Yes.
1: I think there's, I think there's a big difference there. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's talk about the song for Hitchens. I assume this is a reference to the late Christopher Hitchens. um, It is. Known, yeah, known for, among other things, for taking aim at those who would abuse power, right? So that kind of fits the theme of the album a little bit. Can you talk about this song? Yeah, uh, we are big,
0: big, Christopher Hitchens fans um he's sorely missed especially in in times like these um his commentary I think especially right now would would be incredibly useful and important um but this song is also about about the idea of bringing a child into the world and what kind of world we might be leaving for our child (laughs) and so that part is slightly different because you know it relates still to to Hitchens because generally we would like to bring up our children in in a world that that he would have liked, you know. Um, right. But yeah, that that song is is about the idea of th- this this false idea that there is a right country and a wrong country, and and that you know we in the U.S. are in the superior place, and that other countries are shithole countries, and mm-hmm. and so it kind of grapples with the idea that where you are from and where you were born is just completely arbitrary. And, and in another universe, you might be born in a completely different place to a completely different family. And, and your luck could have turned completely upside down. And so I think just keeping that in mind is, is important. And lastly, you know, the song was inspired by, uh, a song by our good friends, uh, River wireless. And they Great. they wrote a song called Born in the Right Country. And so that's kind of that was one of the catalysts for, for this song as well.
3: I was born in the right country where we choke on the smoke of water Day
1: we stood in the okay, let's talk big picture for a minute here. Would you say that your music, generally speaking, has broadened its scope and the influences? I think we've talked about this a little bit over time. It, it has always been eclectic in a certain ways, but I hear it becoming maybe even more so. Um, do you see this as maybe opening up creative possibilities for you from the songwriting process since, since you're kind of opening up? the sounds uh, that are coming into the songs? Yeah, absolutely. I think
0: not only are we trying to do, we're trying to just write whatever comes to us. And so we're trying to not restrict ourselves in a way that, that might box us in, in a way. So I think we're still in the process of really finding exactly what we want to do. And and I think striking the balance there is slightly difficult because because you can't, you can't necessarily have records where every song is different, and you know you're kind of you're kind of messing with your listeners' heads because if they like one song, they might really not like another because it's it's a completely different style or um, sonically is completely different. So I think we are we're still in the process of broadening, but maybe maybe in the future that will lead to a uh, kind of narrowing down and hmm. and figuring out a more focused uh, sound because I think that's kind of you know generally the idea um, but but yeah we're 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 just trying to not box ourselves in we're trying to write the songs that we are passionate about and so if we want to if we want to write a bossa nova tune and then then there we go you know then that's what we're going to do and if we want to write a kind of doom metal trash song about um not sleeping and with with affected blood-curdling screams then yeah then we're going to do that so i think for us it's kind of in favor of all of that (laughs) yeah if we (laughs) want to write a jazz metal song then you know we'll do we'll do that but uh but yeah it's kind of just about having fun with the songwriting process because if it's not fun then what's the point
1: yep Okay, I'm going to let you go feed your meter in a, in a couple of minutes. Let's let's do one more question. We we've touched on this a couple of times along the way, but but let me hear your official thoughts. You're kind of known for your energetic and engaging live shows. What do you all think is important to a good live performance? What is it that you're trying to do out there? I bet we all have different
0: answers to this. So I'll yeah. start it off, but for me it's it's authenticity. For, for me it's not trying to do anything that you're not comfortable doing just for the sake of putting on a show. And so I struggle sometimes because I'm pretty introverted and I don't move around a ton on stage because I'm kind of focused on on the song and and making sure I don't <laughs> make any mistakes. And so so yeah, I th- I think that's something I struggle with in terms of trying to make sure that that the audience is engaged not just by the by the sounds but also by the visuals. And so that's a that's a weird line for me, um, but I think yeah, generally, being authentic, you know, if you're being forthright and and honest, then that will shine through more than anything else. Uh, at least I, that's what I hope. So.
1: Anybody else want to take a shot at that one?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I feel I feel similarly uh, to Martin. I I'm also I'm very shy and introverted, but when I step on stage, it, it sort of feels like home, and I. I love I love fashion and and clothes and I I love to just use the stage as a as an alternate personality and really come alive and I I hope the audience enjoys watching what we feel as home on stage.
2: For me, it's just it's such a unique. There's no there's no way quite like it to connect with people. Um, I I mean that every person in the room from my bandmates to the crowd and the audience, the like the life force behind what, what gives us this opportunity to do what we do. Like I, I really do try to think every night about that relationship um, because with, without the people out there purchasing a ticket, caring about the music, knowing the songs we, we just literally can't do this job. So it's just it's so unique that that relationship um, to this this job and I'm kind of obsessed with it um, and almost get like emotional about it on stage and right after shows sometimes because it's just it's something I would have a really hard time living without. I've become a bit obsessed with it. Um, So that connection with the fans is so important. But then also the connection between the band members and like what that time on stage means every day when we're that 75 minutes out of our 24-hour day is really what we are out there working for but the Very whole true. rest of the day is filled with so much work that most people would just think is really shitty like this isn't <laughs> obviously the dream job all the time that that people chalk it up to be there's a lot of a lot of things going on behind the scenes that that make the machine work and that can understandably cause a group of people that care about each other to go a little crazy on an individual level and as a group and sometimes you have, we have terrible days and we're like we're not getting along and we're not connecting but for this group like the live performance has always been a time of bonding and like would be the glue that kind of keeps us together even on the worst days so i think the sort of the collision of those relationships going on between what we're experiencing together as the four of us on stage and then what it represents to have all the people there at the show as the life force behind our career. It's like, it's so unique. And that's what kind of makes it special for me, I think. And I try to focus on that.
1: That's great. I think it's a great place to leave it too. I want to thank the three of you again for taking the time to talk with us today. And congratulations on getting this record out there. And I really look forward to uh, catching a show and, and seeing everything you've just talked about in person myself. Thanks a lot, Mike. Yeah, thanks for your thoughtful questions. I really we, we all I'm sure I
0: speak for everyone. we, we really appreciate it. It's not a, not okay. Not every day that we get you know people who do the deep dive and aren't just asking how we met. So that's, that's nice.
1: <laughs> well, I really I really enjoy doing it and I enjoy talking to you all. So um, have fun out there. All right, thanks. We'll see you in Chicago. All right, yeah, thanks.
3: I want to be a poet too Fit as many flowers in my mouth as they do The readiness is all I need And I can back up pretty easy
1: Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Tell You What, the podcast. Thanks to Martin, Callie, and Devin for being such thoughtful participants. Go buy their new record, Unlovely. It is really great. Stay tuned for more upcoming discussions. I'm going to pick up the pace on releasing new episodes for the time being. I have a couple in the works right now. So Maybe folks have more downtime and have time to discover some new artists. Please spread the word. If you like what you are hearing, get this great new music out in front of more music lovers. We'll meet back here soon. In the meantime, remember, music is the best.